When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome to the new and revamped TFL Talking Cars podcast. In this episode, we are talking about off-roaders, affordable off-roaders, the news of the week, and my dad's new silly hat. No, we're talking about what Nathan just bought. That's right. Nathan just bought a brand new rig, and he's really excited about it. Brand new used rig, I should say. Yeah, that's right. But first, let's hop right into the big news of the week. Dad, what happened this week in the car world? Well, GM just... Uh dropped the mother of all <laughs> recalls. Basically, every single bolt is getting recalled because, Tommy, it can uh, start your house on fire. Okay, that, 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 that's a hell of a way of putting it. What it is, Tommy, is uh, there is a fire risk, and if you have it parked in the garage, and if that fire risk you know, kind of kicks in with the car, yes, of course, it can burn your house down. But the thing is, is that this is not the only vehicle that's been recalled for fire risk. In fact, there's been millions of recalls for other vehicles. In fact, cars have been catching fire for over a century. So I think you're absolutely right. I mean, every day, probably hundreds of cars burn to the ground right. on the highway, but not in your garage. Actually, yes, in your garage, they do too. And in fact, what a lot of people forgot is that uh, PHEVs were recalled, including the Chrysler Pacifica a little while ago, because that was a risk and uh, there right. were some issues. All right, let me give you kind of the background to this, right? Okay. So, so what happened was, uh, G- let's actually let's take a huge step back, right? Huge step. Huge step back. So when I first saw the Bolt roll out, I think it was at the 2014 or 2015 Detroit Auto Show, mm-hmm. I actually thought it was a joke. I thought they were having fun because what they did was instead of building the car of the future, now keep in mind Tesla had been around at this point for like six years, right? Mm. They rolled out this kind of basic economy car that was basically just underwhelming from the get-go. Yeah, you, you don't like the aesthetics of the vehicle or anything else about it, really, but I wanted I the Jetsons car, dude. Yeah, but think about it this way. It was a vehicle that had real serious range for people who could not afford a Tesla. Yeah, that was kind but of the it bottom wasn't line. cheap. It was also like in the high 30s, low 40s. Well, that was before you get certain government things back. But more importantly, that vehicle is considered by many to be the footprint for economy, electric vehicles of the future. And look, here's the other thing they did, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, GM, if you go even farther back, was one of the first car companies to actually produce an electric car, right? Yeah, the EV1. Exactly, right? Well, modern electric right, car, right. you and, could and, say. And instead of like doing their own batteries, which you would think would be a good thing for a car company, they used LG batteries. Mm. Right, and that's that's where the problem lies. So they put these LG batteries into it, and then as far as I can tell, you know, when the Bolt recall came along, first they said, well, it's just the first generation Bolt, right? Right. Uh, And you need to go in and do a software upgrade. Yep. And they did the software upgrade, and the cars that then were upgraded also caught fire, kind of like a breakthrough fire. Okay, well, let, 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 let me, let <laughs> like me preface this. The car, it's, it's not like all of them did. There, there were enough cases of this to warrant the big recall. And what you have to remember, folks, is that there are quite a few of these vehicles out there. As such, they're trying to make sure that they mitigate their losses by recalling all of them to fix the problem. Right, but they, they did the fix, the fix didn't fix the fix, and now they're saying instead of actually like replacing the entire battery pack, which is something that Kia and Hyundai did, right? Mm. They're replacing individual cells in the battery pack. So think about this, think about you walk in a dealership, you see this car and you're like, hey, this car has 240 miles of range, it charges at this speed and it does
does all these things. And a year later, all of a sudden, GM says, oops, sorry, you can't charge it inside your house. You can't get the full range because you can't charge it above 90%. You can't charge it uh, below. You can't let it drop below 40%. I mean, to me, if I walked, if, if that were my car and I bought like, you know, a regular car and then all of a sudden I couldn't do all this stuff with it, I'd want my money back or I'd want a different car. And thanks for playing. The thing is, is that this is a temporary issue that will be fixed. Other automakers have had the same exact problem and they've fixed them. So instead of just miss taking this and shrinking it down saying, oh, I can't do this and I can't do that. And I don't like the car. Why not look at it in the bigger picture, which is GM was responsible enough to finally do the large recall, bring all the cars in and fix them. If they don't, then we're talking about major, major litigation in the near future. And I guarantee you that's something they're trying to guard against. So it is worth noting, of course, just stepping in here for a second, that other OEMs, of course, use LG cells mm -hmm. along with Panasonic cells. And currently Tesla is developing their own cells as GM with the new Ultium battery, which will be launching here shortly. So moving on from the Chevy. Well, let me finish <laughs> one other thing here. I just kind of feel like if you're a car company, be a GM uh, with you know LG batteries or be it Ford with a Wabasto top, I mean, at some point, either you're building cars or you're assembling cars. Well, right? one word for you, what? patents. So all the major rights to the battery chemistries are typically held in the hands of one of a few companies and the uh, rights to exclusively build those are typically held within a one or a few but companies. But doesn't, doesn't GM have their own batteries? Also? Well, they're building them now. That's the Ultium. And that's going to come out. In, uh, the first vehicle is going to be the uh, Armor. And it's worth noting, Ultium. Is that really a GM chemistry or is that using a Panasonic or LG chemistry? So we've got some more research is, to do on that. Yeah, actually, there is another company that's tied into that as well. So um, I guess I guess I'm just saying I think most car buyers out there expect when they buy a GM that the battery you know it's, it would be kind of like you bought a GM and then the motor and the power plant of that came from LG. It's just weird, Nathan. I'm sorry. It's just but, weird. I but just, but, but I just, Nissan had to do massive recalls on the Nissan Leaf. You're not mentioning them. I mean, they screwed up royally, too. And Hyundai, by the way, it's worth noting, has had to recall every single Kona Electric for the potential of a similar issue with the LG pack. Yeah, right. I, I get we're in the early days of electrification. I get that. But it seems to me like between GM and the Bolt and Nissan and the Leaf, these cars are really going out of the way to kill any uh, potential mojo momentum they might have to actually building electric cars because you know I think look yeah you're right there are other recalls but you have to admit Nathan it's terrifying to have your family at home at night with the idea that the car in your garage might catch fire and you know burn the house down along with your family that that is that that goes beyond it's one thing right to have a car's recall where something minor you know is not working properly, but it's a whole other thing to burn your house down and kill your family because you're charging an electric car. That 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 goes like like the next level. Yeah. So other automakers have had the same issue. We're not talking about them. So fortunately, General Motors has recalled all these vehicles to prevent the sudden incendiary death of your entire family and dog. We are also mentioning. <laughs> we are and also cat for all you cat people. We're also mentioning you know, numbers in the neighborhood of 13 or 14 bolts that have burnt down of yeah. the tens of thousands that they have built over the years. So That's it's precisely it. And and, and you, you once again, you, you've just forgotten all the other players who have had it. And plus, Tesla's had cars that have caught fire oh, and yeah. killed people oh, several times. Oh, yeah, I agree. So Tesla's under investigation. What, what I'm saying is, is that, uh, you know, rather than just point the finger and saying, hey, you did something wrong, I'm saying that, yes, they did do something wrong, but they're backing it up with saying we're calling them all back to fix them to prevent the dog and cat from burning. <laughs> I'm durable. Tesla's under investigation for having their vehicles in autopilot uh, ram into emergency vehicles. That's also pretty... Uh, and buses and a few other things too. So Pretty look, crazy. Nobody nobody out there you know, is walking around without dirt on their hands. That's, right. that's the bottom line. Well, can we move on from Apps, the bulls? please. For sure. So next up in the news relating to the off-road world, we've got some new Bronco colors. So primarily eruption green and a new shade of red called hot pepper red. I saw that and that is actually a really cool looking color. I mean, it's 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 really vibrant and it kind of reminds me of what a lot of people were using in the 80s for, oh. for red. I, I, Roman definitely remembers this because, you know, grad school. Um, that look is just like it pops. Wait, wait, eruption green? Eruption green, yes. Not so Russian it, green. No, not Russian green. No. Eruption. It's a dark green, very similar to like a forest green, and it's a color that I think a lot of Bronco enthusiasts have. Sounds been like waiting something for. new parents would be very uh, keen on. Hey, is that a similar <laughs> green that's on the uh, Timberline? 
Um, you know, Nathan, I'm not really sure. It is I, think, a, I think it might be along the same lines. It is a metallic green, so if you're into your shiny greens, definitely oh, look at yep. Eruption Green. Um, I've heard that I think Antimatter Blue is going away for the 22 model year. So moving on in other news relating to the off-road world, the 6.2 liter V8 is now going to be offered in more Tahoe and suburban trims, including the Z71 off-road trim. Pretty cool stuff. Yep. And then finally... You know what they're doing? You know what Silverado's doing? What are they doing? Uh, they're in their um, Silverados with the lower package levels because of the chip shortage. Uh, they're getting rid of those little numbers in the thermostat, you know, that tell you. So you no longer will have like the degrees. It'll just be a regular thermostat. You'll still have... Oh, you controls. mean you're, they're going back to old school gauges? Yeah, you which won't have like, you know, like 68 missed. degrees or 70 degrees inside the little... Are thing. you talking about the knob? I'm talking about the little numbers inside the knob for the temperature oh. control because of the chip shortage. So, I'm fine with that. So unless you get like the top, uh, you know, high country trim, you're just going to have, you know, the little the little yeah. knob that, that you adjust, but there won't be a temperature number. Inside. I think a lot of people can get over that too. And the other news that I found in the off-road world this week is related to us. Actually, someone sent us pictures, prototype images of what appears to be a new LX Lexus based on the 300 series Land Cruiser. Mm, well, that could be interesting. Yeah, very cool. So very, very heavily camouflaged, a spot with Texas manufacturer plates followed by a Yaris, which usually indicates it's a Toyota vehicle, but it looks to be a very large four-wheel drive off-road machine, maybe along the lines of what is believed to be called the LX600. Hey, what do you guys think of the fact that, um, you know, it kind of snuck out last week that Mercedes is getting rid of or not building any V8s uh, next year except for the G-Wagon and the S-Class? Um, not as cool as the possibility of having that Lexus that Tommy was talking about come out here with the twin turbocharged V6 that could be a hybrid. And if that's the case, then Mercedes-Benz is going to have to adapt anyway. They're going to have to come out with well, some well, more powerful power plants. Well, what, what they're saying is they're getting rid of all their V8s. Yeah. And what they're doing is instead they're putting twin turbo V6s. So. That's, what I'm, that's exactly where I was going with this. So if you think about it, Right now, V8s are definitely, I mean, we've been talking about this for years. A lot of you guys have noticed this, but it's, it's really happening now. Uh, other powertrains are coming along that, are, that can outperform V8s, yet get better emissions and better fuel economy, and that is going to kill the V8. All right, moving on to our next. Wait, what do you think of that? You, this is a this is to be a Mercedes and the V8. I mean, every AMG <laughs> except for G Wagon and S Class is losing their V8. I mean, this is not a minor thing. This is like if, if you're a Mercedes Benz shopper, you're like, that's eh, okay. I'll take the uh, well, I'll take the twin turbo V6 instead of that big old V8 that I was expecting to get in my AMG. So the issue is the new Mercedes AMG six cylinder, the straight six, yeah. is yeah. so incredibly good that I. I hate to say it, I'm pretty okay with them losing the V8s if we see some new electrification That coming. straight six is amazing, Tommy. Yeah. It just absolutely, and why did it take them so long? I mean, BMW has been doing this for years, and we acknowledge that i6 that BMW has been doing for, since before you were born, since, hell, since around the time I was born, even before then. That engine is incredible. Great torque. So, so you're saying it's going to go out with a whimper and not with a bang. Well, here's I, the thing. I'm fine with that. So if you are mad about this now, wait till you hear I'm not it. mad about it. I'm just, I'm just think that a lot of Mercedes. Oh, he's mad. Nathan, he's yeah. mad. Yeah, I know he is Look, because no, it's Mercedes. I have no horse in this race. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I, if, they, if they want to put a two-cylinder into the you know GLE, I'm good with it. I, I just don't think that for a Mercedes customer, right, who's paying hundred and let's say $50,000 for an AMG, you know, twin turbo V8, when you go to them and you say, instead, we're going to have a straight six, v, you know, straight six twin turbo, it's going to be the same cachet. I, I'm, I, like I said, I have no horse race. These are cars that are way above my price range, but it's a big deal when, you know, Mercedes, and, and once again, it's not maybe because they're trying to get rid of V8s, maybe it's because of chip shortage, but still, you know, it's a big deal when Mercedes says, well, no more V8s. Well, if you're upset mm -hmm. about this, wait till you hear the latest rumor, because it's rumored that AMG is moving away from V8s altogether yep. in favor of plug-in hybrid four-cylinder turbos. So that's screaming C63 that maybe you've come to lust after or dream after may actually lose a V8 altogether and bring in a plug and a turbocharger. What do you think of that, Nathan? I think it gets even better, Tommy. Okay. Because we are talking about four-wheel drives and we're talking about Roman, who secretly loves uh, Mercedes. We're talking about the G-Wagon. His favorite vehicle. He's admitted it on camera before. And I do love the G-Wagon. G-Wagon is going all electric, baby. They're going to have an all-electric G-Wagon in the near future I'd with love, portal I'd, axles. I love that. Yes. I'd and that. no more V8. For the G. Now, what do you guys think of that, huh? Bring it. 
Well, <laughs> well to, be, to, you know, to be clear, they're still building the VAG. Currently, they are. But, I mean, look, if you have instantaneous torque with an electric powertrain that's been proven by Mercedes-Benz not to go and barbecue your dog and cat inside your house, and that is actually able to function in such a way to where you can get really good mileage with either a hybrid system or a full electric system, that means the vehicles bye-bye on the G-Wagon. No, it, no sounds like, it sounds like you want to barbecue your dog and cat. Well, right you now I do. a lot of them. I got a lot of them. It's like Noah's <laughs> Ark at my house. The thing is, is that, you know, I, I have no problem. I mean, I love V8s, but right. I have no problem with a better powertrain replacing the current powertrain. That's my point. And more importantly, instantaneous torque going off-road on an overpriced giant off-road machine, great. That's awesome. I think it's great. Bring look, it on. Look, I, I, the downside here is, I think people are going to want V8s, and it's just going to jack the price of used Mercedes up even more. You know, your generation will. Tommy's generation won't. Well, Tommy's generation can't afford one hundred fifty thousand. They can later, <laughs> once their parents die. The thing is, is that, and, and, and this is an important thing to, to consider. These vehicles are already dinosaurs. They already are. And the technology's been out there for a long time to replace them with much more efficient, more powerful powertrains. People in, in your class have said, no, no, I still want my V8. I still got to have my V8. And with Mercedes, they said, nine, this is no good. We're going to change it, Schnell. I think they said the chip shortage is going to force us to change it, Schnell. <laughs> that, that's another issue. Although, within a year from now, I'm pretty sure we'll be on the upslope you know, you from know, that. I keep, I keep hearing that, but it just keeps getting worse and worse. Well, that's what they worse. said. It would, it would get worse and worse. I mean, they had a massive warehouse Dude, fire and chips. So, so we're doing this new series called, and, and this is Nathan's idea, so congratulations, Nathan. Thank you. We're doing this new video series based on the eye gauntlet called the what, Nathan? Uh, Tommy, take it. It's called the Tyke Ike. You came up with this and you forgot? I didn't want to. I, I always switch my words, you know, like dyslexic word. Yeah, I was going to say Ike Tyke. I, I felt it in the back of my. It's, yeah. And the thing is, is uh, I keep saying that. This event is awesome because it's everything the Ike Gauntlet is, but with smaller vehicles. So yeah, basically, so we're towing up the steepest allowable grade in Colorado at 11,000 feet, but instead of doing it with pickup trucks and Andre's big heavy-duty vehicles, Nathan's going to be doing it in little tiny SUVs. Yeah, so, yes. so I know a lot of people are out there, you know, pulling little pop-up campers. There's Over one. a million have been sold during the pandemic. Exactly, or wow. little, little like teardrop campers. Mm -hmm. And so we thought, let's find out how these little guys tow. And so Nathan came up with the idea of the Tyke and we did your first one with what car? We did it with the Kia Sportage with the turbo. And I got to tell you guys, I did not expect the performance that I got out of that vehicle, and it was towing about 1,200 pounds. Yeah, so we used your, well, I'm, I'm going to be nice here. Uh, let's well, say your vintage trailer. It's it's it's, it's, <laughs> all right, it's all right, let me be honest. It's, it's such a wreck. It, it looks like a trailer you'd find on the side of the road that somebody just abandoned. Yeah, I know. It's, it, and I've been trying really hard. I, I, it's got LED lights on the sides now. <laughs> now it, um, I, I bought it for super cheap, and the whole point was to, to fix it up with my family. And after like three days of trying to work with my kids and my wife to fix it up, they're like running out. So I got it to work. You had your kids painted. That was an interesting That was really scheme. horrible. That was a bad idea. Mm -hmm. um, on, the, on the inside. Anyway, this little trailer... Um, uh, weighs uh, less than 1,200 pounds, but I have stuff in there, so it comes out to 1,198, uh, 1, or really, really, really close. And the part that's really important is that there's no trailer brakes on this. Most of you people who are buying small crossovers, SUVs, and small wagons that can tow usually don't have uh, a brake controller inside your vehicle. As such, having a trailer that's under 2,000 pounds that you're towing with one of these vehicles well, this is valuable consumer information. Nobody's doing it. We are. So uh, the reason I'm kind of going back to the chip shortage is, and, and that why it's, things keep getting worse, is we have a Subaru Crosstrek, right? Yeah. And that's the next vehicle we want to take up the Taycan. Oh yeah. But we didn't buy it with the towage because we never imagined towing with a Subaru Crosstrek. It's the first thing I think of. <laughs> but now that we're doing the Taycan, we had to get a. And so I called the local Subaru dealership, and they're like, "Yeah, we don't have any in stock, and it's going to be forever till we get one." Yeah, the yeah. trailer the trailer hitch right. So then, luckily, somebody had ordered one and they didn't install it. So I was able to snag one. Mm. So we will be able to take the Subaru up the uh, Tyke Ike. Uh, but yeah, it would have taken like six months to get even even a hitch adapter for our Crosstrek. And that's the bottleneck that's happening on a lot of dealerships. Everything from new cars to service, everything has been pushed back significantly and you're going to see that for a while guys yeah you know they said the earliest they could take me 
to put on this uh, hitches next week. So uh, now there are hitch companies out there that are, that don't take as right, long. But, but there's a, you know we just did the Bronco hitch. Uh huh. And we went with the OEM, mm-hmm. and the reason for that is once upon a time you'd go to like U-Haul, right? And yeah. There'd be some like stolen sixteen-year-old. Oh, come on, not, not necessarily. I've had good experiences at U-Haul. All right, there'd be some sixteen-year-old technician who, who you know who would install this, but this is what they would do: they would literally, basically, uh, wire the lighting into your taillights mm-hmm. and your right which is standard operating procedure for most of those systems which doesn't work anymore because now yes. they're all computerized and the second that that computer sees that there's an extra draw like on your brake lights or on your turn signal it throws a code so you have to actually in the bronco have a plug-in adapter right. so that the computer chip knows that there's a trailer there right now now that's the funny thing because not all vehicles are like that this one is and fortunately we were able to get away with it and as such we were able to do a massive video with tommy and andre doing the ike gauntlet with the bronco that's right yeah so my uh um dad got the hitch all sorted out on the bronco 800 bucks dude jeez and then andre and i took the uh bronco first edition up the ike gauntlet towing this really cool off-road camper trail called boreas uh, alongside the 2014 Toyota FJ Cruiser. So we did a full Ike Gauntlet with that, about 2,400 pounds, which is under the 3,500-pound Bronco limit and well under the Toyota 4,700-pound limit. Right, but you also have to remember payload, and both Andre and Tommy were in there, which basically was the equivalent of my weight. And <laughs> that that was a really eye-opening video because nobody else has done a towing video with the Bronco. Not yet. And this was a proper video done on the world's toughest towing test. I, I was thrilled with it. And yeah. it was a very cool outcome. So you're going to want to check out that video over at TFL Truck. I still don't understand why the Bronco has such a small towing capacity. I know. For such a big well, vehicle? There were some good comments there, but before you go to TFL Truck, if, you, if you're watching this on YouTube or if you're listening to it, go to tfl-studios.com, which is our new all-in-one location for all of our videos. So we have all the videos there, all the podcasts, all the news, uh, and you can create a little like shortcut on your phone, and then you can get all the news, uh, and then you don't have to go looking at seven YouTube channels to find it. right here on my phone right there. <laughs> so, so did you read the comments in the video why, why people said that? Usually, okay, usually, uh, so it's funny because people think that um, the tow limit is set either by the suspension of the vehicle, right, mm-hmm. or by the engine power. Uh, but having talked to engineers, Nathan, usually the, like the, the limiter, right, the thing that gets you the lowest amount of towing is thermodynamics. It's basically the fact that the engine's working so hard and then the vehicle has a very hard time keeping the engine within the parameters of its coolant or its temperature. Right. And so that's like that's why like they had to read when you look at the Gladiator versus the Wrangler, it looks identical, but they redesigned the whole front end of the Gladiator. It's actually a very different vehicle when you look underneath. Yeah, yeah. because they had to get more airflow because people are towing with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so usually what 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 the limiter is is the, the the thermodynamics or the way that you can cool the vehicle and it's not like I, this is all based on, you know, uh, Society of Automotive Engineer testing and there's all these tests that they have to do right. They have to go, go to Davis Dam, stop the vehicle on this incline, have the parking brake hold it while it's got the load, right. you know, have it start up, but it also has to stay cool and that's what is keeping the vehicles from towing more. Tommy, I'm going to get a Sawzall and we're going to get a little tiny transmission cooler that we can buy online because you know it's always reliable. We're going to slap that on there. We're going to increase its tow rating to 5,000 pounds. Sweet. Well, the other thing that could be limiting it too is within that standard, it's called J2807, and literally what they did is the manufacturers came together in a room and they asked about this and pretty much every manufacturer was present with this all the engineers. This was before COVID. Oh, this was years ago. And they came up with... In a room. In a room for years ago, yeah, they came up with a standard that basically said, um, you know, the, the truck has to do zero to 60 in this time for mm-hmm. it to be rated at such. And it has to be able to do this skid pad test where you make a big circle. And then it has to do a sway test. And I actually went to a proving ground and they, they walked me through the test. And it was pretty interesting, but mind-numbingly dull if you're not into this thing. Right. So there's a lot of different um, situations which could have caused the Bronco to maybe not have such an impressive tow rating. But the result is you end up with an F-150 engine in a vehicle the size of Toronto that only tows 3,500 pounds. Yeah, and the other part of that is that it, the platform it's based on is a shortened version of the Ford Ranger. And the Ford Ranger can tow a lot. Yeah, and I think part of it too is they just wanted to well, benchmark. Almost twice as much. Yeah, nearly. 
more Actually, than twice more. as much. Yeah. It's like 7,500, I think. Okay, so twi yeah. over twice as much. Yep. Yeah. But um, I also think part of it is they were looking at the Wrangler, and they saw the Wrangler towed 3,500, and they said, well, if that's what we need to so, benchmark. So, so if people don't want to watch the video, how does the... And the reason we use the FJ wasn't because we wanted to use a 2014 vehicle that's no longer in production, but we use the FJ because it has this identical powertrain to the 4Runner, right? Same Just a shorter wheelbase. Yeah, same transmission, mm -hmm. uh, same 4-liter. So it was a stand-in for the 4Runner. So how, how did the Toyota tow compare to the uh, Bronco, dude? Well, they both towed the Ike with little difficulty, so they both were able to maintain the speed limit. The difference came in downhill performance. The uh, Ford did a slightly better job of maintaining a constant speed without having to use the brakes. And then uphill, even though they both did the speed limit, the um, Toyota does not have enough gears in the transmission, and it was constantly shifting between like second and third or third and fourth. Which is the same issue we had with some of the older Toyota Tacomas early days. Half of, the gears, right? It's yeah. a five-speed versus a ten-speed. Mm -hmm. Yes, so the Toyota did not yeah. do a good job of locking in a gear, and I thought that was potentially going to create an overheat issue because it was like every ten seconds it would change gears for eight minutes straight, but it maintained the, the speed limit, and the Bronco did so with even less difficulty, so that one just locked it and went. Is there a brake controller underneath? one of these? Neither of them have a brake controller from the factory. I've heard that you can spec one as, a, as an accessory from Ford. That's what I've heard. And then uh, neither of them have a tow haul mode either. So we were just running in normal so, loads. So what I heard from, you know, we bought that uh, Bronco from a guy by the name of Tim, mm -hmm. who uh, gave it to us, his reservation that is, in exchange for promoting the Ronald McDonald House, yes. which is a great charity. It's he works for McDonald's. Yeah. So if you want to help you know, support a great cause, that's a great cause. A home away from home for families with sick kids. Uh, anyway, he said that originally the first edition Bronco was supposed to have the tow hitch, uh, but because the first edition has all the stuff, right? It's got every option possible. So it's, mm. it, it brings basically the payload way down, and so Ford did not include the, the hitch, which meant we had to install it at the local Ford dealership for over $800. Yeah, that's yeah. That's, that's a lot of money, dude. You know, that's, that's a ton gonna, of money. Of course, it's going to be $800 as well. For a Crosstrek, it's, a one in, it's, it's one of those tiny ones, like the class, whatever that is, class one. Mm -hmm. It's not even like, you know, the full-on... Oh, I, I'm fully aware of the size of it, <laughs> and I'm willing to put it in for you for about 50 bucks and a, and a case of beer. <laughs> I'll, I got a Sawzall at home, and I've got some drills. I'll take care of it for you. All right, so I've come up with a new segment here that we're going to try out. Okay. It's called the Rapid Fire This or That, and basically I'm going to ask the two hosts here, whether or not they go for one option or the other, and this is the 4x4 edition because of what we get to here in a second, which is Nathan's new four-wheel drive. So here's how it yeah. works. I'm going to give you two options, and you tell me which one you would spec and why, and the first one is mud terrain tires or all-terrain tires, and why, Nathan? KO3s or KO2s? KO2s, absolutely, because you can use them anywhere and everywhere. They're decent in the snow, fantastic off-road, really good on the street, some of my favorite tires out there. And Dad, what about you? KM3s, they look cooler. There you go, all right. There it is. Next up, automatic or manual in an off-roader, Nathan? <laughs> oh, that's a tough one. Believe it or not, I'm gonna go with automatic. It's a lot easier to modulate your power as you're going up and over off-road terrain. Yeah, me too. I think uh, manuals are wonderful in sports cars, but th there are certain situations where they're a pain in the butt. That includes traffic and that includes off-road because you, well, remember when you had that uh, JK, Tommy? I took it up uh, top of the world. Uh, and when you're in a, like a line of like 25 Jeeps, you're never moving very fast, right? right. And of course, they inevitably stop just as you're trying to get over like an obstacle and then trying to get, you know, that clutch to slip so that you can actually go up and over an obstacle is very difficult indeed. The, the bottom line, and I got this from some old school grizzled off-roaders, is it's a lot easier to use two feet than try to imagine three going off-road. All right, good work. Next one, huh? you're modifying your first off-road vehicle. Do you start with lockers or do you start with light bars? I go lockers. I go with lift. That's not an that's option. Not part, that's, that's not the option. Lockers or light bars? Lift. I'm going, I'm going with tires, then lift, and then who cares? Okay, lockers or light bars? Oh, lockers. I mean, like, light bars are just silly. Well, light yeah, bar but, but a lot posers. of people are going to buy them anyway because it's the easiest one to show that you've done something. All right. Next, I'm serious. Next question. Yeah. V8 or turbochargers? <laughs> Where were we with this earlier? I'm going to say turbochargers. Uh, no, dude, V8. Uh -huh. V8 supercharged. TRX, that's the answer. No, the V8, that's not a choice, V8 <laughs> supercharged. He, he's basically saying force induction, anything but a V8, right? That was basically what you're saying? Yes, the rules are very simple here, Dad. Uh, 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 all right, so I get the rules, right? So mm -hmm. uh, let, let, me, let me ask you this, Tommy, okay? Uh -huh. Oh, here all we right, go. All right, I'll ask both of you. Okay. We're talking about the Wrangler, yeah. right? So do you get the Pentastar, 
normal induction. Mm. Uh, the eco diesel normal induction. Mm. No, no, that's turbocharged. That's turbocharged. Yeah, uh, eco diesel. Sorry, two liter turbocharged. Yeah, right. no, hang on. Oh, no, no, there's no, no, so no, many. No, 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 three liter. Let me, let me do it again. Eco, <laughs> so, 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 Pentastar. Okay. Mm-hmm. Eco diesel. Right. Um, uh, the two liter turbo. Yep. Mm-hmm. Or the four by e, which is a two liter turbo plus electrification. So, which of those? There's four. You forgot mm-hmm. one. Yeah. What did I forget? The V8. Oh, the V8. Yeah, of course, the V8. Yeah, so I'm going to say... Did catch on fire, Nathan? Yeah, give sorry. A, I, I apologize about that. I am waiting for a house to burn and the dogs and cats. Um, so I'm going to say the uh, 4xE. That blew me away. Blew me away. I know, I know, I know. It might not be reliable or whatever. Or And it's electric, so it's going to go hunt after you and burn your house down. But I seriously think that that setup is the way of the future, whether people like it or not. And I really like it off-road. All right, Tommy. V6 gas engine, uh, no turbos, no superchargers, none of that. So the one you got at home. With the manual transmission, yes, because it's the simplest. It's, and you're you're, you're right about that. That's a pretty good it's choice. It's the proven power of train. How about you? Oh, God, if I had the money, I'd go for the four, uh, 492, 492. I said that wrong. T- I said that. And you said it around again, the 392. I always get those two mixed up. Yeah. 392. Yeah. How it's yeah. a 492. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> imagine imagine it's a 492 would be even better. Yeah. <laughs> Big block. <laughs> yeah. I, it's an amazing powertrain, and it's one that just makes very little sense when you're really driving data. Nathan, why didn't you choose a diesel? I feel like that's it, right up your alley. You know, you know why? I've driven that diesel before. It's, so di- it's just, just as heavy as that big V8. And when you're going off-road, you really do want a little bit of a lighter vehicle. The 4xE is a little bit lighter, even with that battery. And another thing that's really important to me is day-to-day drivability. That 4xE is way better for day-to-day driving. I'm looking at this at the big picture, not just off-road. All right, we got two more here. Okay. If you're shopping for a Wrangler or a Bronco, do you go two-door or four-door? Nathan, what would you choose? Well, two-door. If, I, if I'm going off-road. If I'm going day to day, of course, four door because I got kids and animals that are dead and all that other stuff. You know, the house burnt down. And what about you, Dad? Uh, four door. Why is that? It's just more practical. It's it's the best of both worlds. You can use it around town and you can off road with it. And in yeah, a lot it, of situations, the four door, the longer vehicle, is actually better off road. And it's better on road. Yeah. You, if you're climbing up a steep hill, you do not want that little short wheelbase. So, boop. That's yeah, the sound for going. But it's better know, for everything else off road. And then the final question: soft top or hard top? Ooh, after your experiences? <laughs> I'm still going to go with hardtop because I live in Colorado. Yeah, I think if you live in places like L.A., a, a hardtop is almost mandated because you're going to get, you know... Otherwise, they'll knife your car and get into... Yeah. Would that happen in L.A.? You think someone well, It happened to your dad. Oh. Yeah, it happened to me. Yeah. A toaster, a right? Suzuki. Was it a toaster a, that they had stole? A, yeah, I, had a frick, I had a Suzuki Samurai with a soft top and a, and a toaster oven in D.C., southwest, that I left parked overnight at the marina. And somebody, instead of... un clasping the little like you know which you could just pull and it takes a second over. they actually cut the top to get at like a $30 toaster oven <laughs> and you know what like I remember talking to Jaguar a while ago and the coupe uh, F-Pace is much more uh, sorry F-Type is much more uh, sought after in California than the convertible because of that very reason well, I mean, it makes total sense, um, but, you know, that, right. what about you, Tommy? Yeah, what about you? Yeah. Um, I like the soft top because it's lighter, and I just think the lightness is cool, and I like being able to throw it back with one uh, go of the hand, so that would be my choice. Even in the winter here, I still say soft top is the way to go. It's just more fun, and it's uh, a little bit less less weight, which is good stuff. And so, less expensive. So our friends at Best Top stuck a soft top. Mm-hmm. The coolest thing about that soft top is not only can you fling it back with like two clasps opening, yeah. but there's also a bimini. They can't, I guess bikini is copyrighted so, by well, somebody. Bikini, uh, bikini is owned by Best Top. The word bikini, is, yeah. as I understand, it's owned okay. by Best All Top. Right. But Ford did not want to be in any way associated with the Jeep options list. Oh, for crying out loud. And so that's why they changed it. Wait, wait, wait. So, so you can't put like a Goodyear Wrangler on a Bronco? Well, no. So the the Goodyear Wrangler tires on the Bronco mm-hmm. are Goodyear territories. They get rid of the word Wrangler. I'm there serious. You, you knew yeah. that, right? I knew that. Yeah. Yeah. They sliced off the word Wrangler off. But, of but them. anyway, the the soft top has this bikini top underneath it. Bimini. Which is really cool because you can open it up and then still have the shade. Uh, and speaking of engine options in the Wrangler, Tommy, isn't there some news? Some some stuff I caught with the new Warthog. Uh, that's the all in the Bronco. Yeah. Um, yes. So we saw the uh, the new Ford Ultimate Offroad Bronco testing up in the High Country, 
and we believe that to be called the Warthog, which is, we're thinking like a Bronco Raptor. Yeah, the equivalent is what we're thinking. And we're thinking it's going to have either the 3-liter twin-turbo EcoBoost or the 3.5 out of the F-150. Now, I chased it down I-70, mm-hmm. actually up the I-Gauntlet, uh, which was pretty interesting. Uh, and, you know, people have said in the comments, if you want to watch that video, it's, where's that at? Is that in TFL Now? TFL now. now. Yeah, or you can go to TFL-off, you know. Studios.com. But people are saying that Ford's going to stick the 3 liter under the hood, which is just an expanded 2.7. So, what do you think? Is it going to be the 3 liter that's out of the. Where did they put that in the Lincoln, right? That was in the Lincoln originally. Yeah, like the Continental. The Continental. Mm-hmm. Or is it going to be the 3.5? The one I would put in, there, obviously, is the Coyote, but Ford's not going to do that. No, I don't think they're going to put. It's a shame you didn't get a chance to hear it because you would have known immediately if it was the Coyote. Uh, I think it's possible they may put the engine in out of the the Crosair and some of the other Lincolns that are out there, which is a hybrid, and it's super powerful. They're not going to put a hybrid in Why a not? Warthog. They're not doing a Why not? hybrid Warthog. Why not? It just sounds stupid, hybrid Really? Warthog. Because I last time I checked, Jeep has a competitor. Yeah, a 4 by e but not a Warthog. Well... Why not have 600 horsepower out of a vehicle? I mean, it's crazy horsepower or torque. I agree. I think they oh, yeah. should get electrified, but I think it's going to either be the 3 or the 3. Well, what about like the Aviator? Has that's what I'm saying. Yeah, that's a very good powertrain. 600 pound foot of torque on the Aviator. Yes, and that'll fit. Uh, you know, I, I drove by that thing. It didn't see. I, I don't think they've designed the Bronco to be electrified for the get-go. They did. Apparently they did. Really? From what I've heard, yeah, they designed mm-hmm. it with a plug-in hybrid in mind from the get-go. And it was rolling on 37s, I want to say. That's Not even 35, better. 37s from the factory. Well, and that's the... Jeez, 37s from the factory? Whoever thought that that would I ever mean, be a thing. I mean, but think about, like, the implications of that, right? Yeah. You've got this electrified vehicle, which is supposed to be fuel efficient. Yeah. And you slam 37s on... The Jeep is 33s. Mm-hmm. And you, you know, 37s, you're going to get... You know, how many miles do you go, get off-road on electric road? Like, three, right? Who says anything about electric mode? The whole point of this thing is to combine the two powers. Power. But you're, but, but you're like, you're losing the efficiency of the... But you're gaining horsepower. That's my point. Bam! Yeah, and, and BAM is actually a really good word. Ford uses that. Some of their main guys say BAM all the time. <laughs> so, BAM on the power, it could be a hybrid. I'm, I am thinking, though, that it's probably a more powerful version of the 2.7 that puts out probably about 30% more power altogether. So the 3 liter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. Three, well, no, the 2.7. I think it's going to be the... Uh, so you're saying... You're, okay, hold on. What you think it's a tuned 2.7? Yeah. What do you think? It doesn't matter. No. They're, what do you think? It's, it's, they're all EcoBoosts. They're pretty. They're so similar. I really don't think it matters. Yeah. Well, I mean, the more displacement it's going to be. Let's, let's play a game. Uh, tell me what you think it is. In the F-150, yeah. the two, we'll know soon enough. In the F-150, the 2.7, as we've proven, yeah. is in some cases quicker than the 3.5. At least when they first launched those two engines. Yep. So I think they're so close that it, it really no, doesn't but matter. But think about it from like a, like you're a customer and you go in the showroom and let's pretend that they're actually Broncos in the showroom. I know. No, that's a stretch. Yeah, you're never going to see one. Right, but let's let's say there's like a, like a Sasquatch, like we've got, and then there's a Warthog, and the Warthog is a $10,000 premium. Right. It's got the same engine underneath. No, you're it's going to, it doesn't, but 3 liter, 3.5, does it really matter? The, the displacement <laughs> is, is one thing, power is another. I, right. I can almost guarantee this. On, uh, if you see a 400 horsepower and a 250 horsepower engine, and they both have the same displacement, you're going to like the 400 horsepower one, right? Who cares about displacement? There are a lot of powertrains out there that are the same displacement, but they have different forms of induction or whatever that make them more powerful. Look, to We've be honest, seen that. that unless that displacement starts with the five, I don't think it's going to be that interesting yeah, to a lot I, I of folks. I, I think it's important. I think if you're on the trail and you pull up next to the 392 and you've got some, you know, little twin turbo thing, the guy in the you're still going to have a little twin turbo thing. But that, you're going to have a with twin that switch, right, that makes it sound glorious, is just going to leave you. But it has in, nothing in, to in, do in with displacement of, of a V6. Incredible heavy exhaust note. Well, you're you're like with your little Visa cone. So what? You no. think it's going to be 6.4, the new Ford? No, no. I think it's going to be... 6.7. I think it's going to be either a 3-liter or 3.5. So does a Jeep bro care that you have a 3-liter versus a 2.7? That's exactly it. He's not going to care. It has nothing to do... Yeah. He's not going to care. It doesn't, it doesn't matter, and the Ford owner doesn't care either. The Ford owner is already you know, used to the fact that their car sounds like a Cuisinart, and, but it has amazing power. Does the Bronco and, have fake... Sound it does. It pipes in some sound. I yeah. believe it does. Like, oh, I don't want to say that for sure, but yeah, it, it based sure. on what well, it sounds, it sounds like, like it. it drove it up the like it sounded like it had the. It sounds very cool I, on the inside I, and very bad on the outside. I, I, yep. mean, I mean, I mean, top three things I hate in automotive, like new design, right? Number one, I'll start with number three. Okay, number three, fake exhaust. Yes, can't stand like, it. Like the Audi, right? Those oh my God, that Audi! Right, where Jeez. you where you where you've got like a real exhaust. 
that's hidden underneath the car, and then you've got this fake massive exhaust with actually a fake tailpipe sticking. Yeah, yeah, which is only like two inches, and when you look at it straight on, you realize what it is, or from behind, and it's embarrassing. Yep, yep. Okay, that's number three. Yeah. Um, num- number two is when they get rid of the volume knob. I'm sorry. I, I <laughs> have to have a volume knob. Yeah. You miss CD players too, don't you? <laughs> no, I don't miss yes, CDs. Yes, you do. <laughs> oh, in my day, those CDs were No, and I don't cool. count like having a, some kind of a weird twitch on the steering wheel yeah. as counting for a volume. I want a volume knob. No, I, I agree. And you want your phonograph and back. N- and number <laughs> one, the thing that I hate the most, I don't care if Ford or BMW does it, fake exhaust. No, just... Don't do, if you, maybe an electric car. Maybe, you know, I would love. Here, oh, that's the worst of every world. You want a fake exhaust note in an electric? I car? I think it would be funny, like for oh. folly and for you know, you so, know giggles. So but. I was at, I was recently at the Santa Cruz launch, and I met the designer of the Santa Cruz. Yeah, right. He's a cool, cool guy. Yeah, he drives. He rides a Ducati like I have, the desert slide ride. Right. They pipe in the sound too. No, I don't, no, they don't pipe in the sound. But <laughs> uh, but uh, but I had this conversation with him. I said, what you really need in an electric vehicle is some kind, you know, like with a, with a regular car you know how powerful the engine is by how big the exhaust is right mm-hmm. and what kind of sound it makes both an electric car there's no cue that tells you you know is this like um tesla model s plaid or is this you know uh, a bolt right there's no difference between the two so they need something to signify what kind of power that vehicle has so i was thinking like a back to the future like thing where maybe there's like a like a, like some kind of a light or, or a sound-emitting thing out the back. I'm not the designer, but just something. But something design. futuristic that goes, wah, or something or something, something cool, light, a wine. Or, wine or right, it sounds like a light cycle um, from it, Tron it really or something. Cringy. What, what do you think? I got a well, they already ha- they already have low speed emission. No, no, not not the pedestrians speed. one. I mean, like like you pull up to a stoplight and people look, wow, that's a one thousand like horsepower a flux capacitor made out of a Dodge Polara hubcap. What Some, you- something that that let people lets other people know what's under what he, battery. He wants he wants a, a Jetson sound yeah. when it pulls away. I'm not, not interested in that or something like that. What I want is a button that programs like an F one sound. Or a big V8 sound, and you hit a button, mm. and so you're at the light, and some guy's next to you, and all of a sudden, you know, wah, 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 <laughs> as you're pulling away. You can I already get awesome. your sound, so the Tycon has an option for that. Yeah, you can. The Tycon, they spend. Tycon does have that sound, but it's not quite as futuristic as what Roman no, I don't wants. Want, I don't want it in the cabin. I want other people outside. Here. He wants to stay. Yeah, I want That's terrible. Yeah. He, he wants a projected well, guess, exhaust you, note from the future. Have you been to LA recently? Have you heard straight pipe Lamborghinis? Come on. This this is uh, this is not something I'm pulling out of my, you know what? Yeah, well, the straight pipe Lamborghinis will be a no. thing of the past. Just make it sound like it's supposed to sound. Which is what? <laughs> nothing. Yeah, nothing. Make it sound like nothing, because it's an electric car. Well, actually, that's what a lot of people are are touting is, you know, won't the streets be so quiet in the near future and stuff like that. All right, well, let's get back to our off-roading, Tommy. We were going to talk about what, for a few bucks less? Isn't that what was on that uh, list of yours? Um, It was, but then I erased it. Why? Because it needs to be a secret. No, we should talk about it. It needs to be be a a secret. secret. You've got two against one. Yeah, yeah, this really is. I, I know it's normally not a democracy, but look at it this way, folks. This show is worth waiting for. Yes. For a few well, bucks you, less. Why don't you tell them what it is what, at least? The premise. Do you want the to premise. Yes, I will. So, remember, guys, when we went back, uh, to Hell's Revenge in those $5,000 pickup trucks, and we had to modify them to make them work right and everything else, and it was an awesome video series. Well, we're doing it again, but we're doing it this time for $2,500. Mm. Andre? For a few bucks less. For a few bucks less. That's your laugh. <laughs> indeed. And Andre, Nathan, myself, and Tommy are the ones who actually went out and did this. Roman hosted the show and kind of kept an eye on us to make sure we didn't run off to Vegas with the money. Tommy, I'm glad you did. <laughs> um, and we put together four episodes, I think this thing is. It could be four or five. We're editing it. Right yeah, now. we were debating it now. And it's epic because... First, we get the car vehicles, and we actually have to go through all the process of dealing with getting them up to snuff and then getting them off-road. All of these things matter because you guys out there are buying way too expensive off-road vehicles, and we are here to prove that you don't have to spend that much. As a matter of fact, you can do it for, Tommy, a few bucks less. Yeah, well, Nathan's was red, Andres was poo brown, so maybe you can't if you don't want to look like a... (laughs) You know, mine looks... Awesome! Did I you saw, sell that thing? And yours was very, I'm, I'm selling it this week. Whoa! Yours was various colors of blue. Mine was very colors of blue. <laughs> Blurple. But what, what, what's really awesome is the fact that we really did some serious off-roading with these vehicles. And yeah, some of us blew the budget or whatever, but the point is, is that this video series shows you. Realistically, we didn't do some magic where we brought it up to some mechanic who secretly 
fix these things up to make them run decently. We basically dealt with them ourselves and made them what they are. And I can tell you that we had a fantastic adventure. Yes. Mine was so good that the second we got done filming, it needed $2,300 worth of work. <laughs> um, so more on that to come. Yeah, and, and mine nearly exploded all its oil on my driveway. Did <laughs> you you're selling yourself? Yeah, I'm getting rid of it. It's okay. it's funny because my wife is just like, you're getting rid of it because I just bought this other old vehicle and she's just like, what the hell's going on? So perfect transition into the headline topic. So Nathan, as many of you know, was a proud owner of a third generation Nissan Pathfinder. Mm -hmm. And it looked cool, it had these nice BFG tires yeah, on it. Yeah, what happened to it? It was totaled. My <laughs> quick story, my daughter took a camping with a bunch of her friends. So imagine a bunch of teenage girls in this thing. They were in traffic and a guy, 19 years old, in a lifted uh, Cherokee with steel bumpers, aftermarket, uh, slammed into the back. I think he was texting or something like that. Wait, wait, wait. Your daughter was with a bunch of other girls. Uh -huh. and maybe he was trying to introduce himself. Yeah, it's hell when to introduce yourself like to, 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 to slam into and destroy this well, vehicle. Well, you know, 19, he's awkward. He doesn't he, quite... He was very awkward when after he hit it. Yeah. Imagine imagine you're 19 and you hit this thing and you get out and all these girls pile out and start yelling at you. <laughs> this poor guy. I, I actually really felt sorry for him. And he, he was freaking because he just built this thing up, according to him. His dad was just down the road, thank God. He wasn't sure, thank goodness. And nobody and was hurt, right? Nobody was hurt. Yeah. Everybody was fine. It all turned out fine. The poor vehicle, I loved my Nissan. It was as reliable as a rock. I had it for a little over three years. Roman was actually the one who uh, suggested it. And it's towed, it's done everything I've asked of it. They don't build them like this anymore. Anyway, so it was hit with my daughter in it, yeah. and it was enough damage to total it out by the insurance company. And now is a great time, by the way, to try to find a replacement, because this is the worst possible new and used car market <laughs> I have ever seen. The stats say at least 30% more expensive for a used car now than this time last yeah, year. Yeah, 30%. It's, it's ridiculous. Right, so, so Nathan, once you were slammed up the rear end, what did you Wow. <laughs> well, I, I, I introduced well, wait, myself. First of all, his daughter was slammed up the rear end. Hey, oh, we're not going <laughs> there this is the family show um the, the most important thing here is a the vehicle did what it's supposed to do crumple zones it actually this vehicle was lifted so much that it missed my nissan's bumper and went directly to the hatch wow and completely destroyed the hatch bent the frame can, can i do a roman rant here oh god oh god can all I, right can tommy seatbelts no sure you know did you know in australia you can only lift the vehicle by about two inches and the australians are better for it they're safer for it, yeah. I mean, this, this mm. is, you know... This is an example of bad lift. We are we are driving around in Sparks and Minis, right? You have a Mini as well. Mm. What if some monster truck that's like six-inch or eight-inch lift, you know, you, it will decapitate you. Why does the government... I mean, look, I love lifted vehicles. Don't get me wrong. If you want to take them off-road, the more the merrier. But should that same vehicle be driving around in a world where, you know, most people are in you know, sedans or short crossovers, where if this thing gets in an accident, the person in the lifted vehicle will be fine, but you'll be, you know, you'll Dead. be headless, yeah. Oh, I mean, I've seen crazy. it. I, I've seen it firsthand. And this goes back way, 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 way back to the 70s and the 80s when people started doing stuff like this. When I was working at a wrecking yard, I got, I got to see cars that came in that people were killed in. Um, I, I agree there should be but limits but and requirements. It, yeah, and it's, got, it's gotten out of hand. Oh, my God, especially here in Colorado. Yeah, yeah. People, especially with, uh, like, putting wide wheels... Uh, on trucks that stick That's way also out. That's crazy dangerous. Yeah, right? it is crazy trucks, dangerous. Yeah, yeah it's, and, and cops aren't doing a damn thing about it. And there are ordinances that they should be following anyway. You know, California's so, got, its, uh, got its undies in a bundle because what the CARB is doing now is they are actually looking, when you go get smogged in California, right, they are mm -hmm. looking uh, at the code now, not at the vehicle, but at the code. And if the code has been reflashed, they will fail you. Yeah, that's that, and it's getting even worse because a lot of modifications that have nothing to do with code, uh, turbochargers, stuff like that, are a part of that whole thing as well. So a lot of people in California are fighting to try to save their modifications. That is definitely true. It's here as well. They're they're looking at it. If you ever, if you've ever, you know, my wife used to have a place in downtown LA on Olive Street, and mm -hmm. I would spend, you know, obviously a lot of time down there. You cannot go to bed in California in LA downtown without hearing like some straight pipe pick the vehicle of your choice you know zipping it out. It's, it's just it, you know at some point it's cool when you first do it but then when everybody jumps on the bandwagon it just becomes untenable Th that and of course you know remove de deleting smog has also mm -hmm. become like an epidemic and, and especially rolling coal all right and Roman 
You're, you are so old. Enough of Romans. I, 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 I know it's, it's in my day, you just weren't allowed to do that. I, I they know started it's, that it's in the cool. 40s. Like, hey, uh, hey, uh, you should, you know, you should allow people. They to do it with the Harleys. The they do all that stuff. It's, it's, it's been part of the culture for years and years. Yeah, and but years. there comes a point where you get to a tipping point, right? It's fine if a few people do it, mm. but then when like it becomes a thing and everybody does it, not only is it bad for our health, not only is it you know bad for our sanity, but it also becomes just so out of control that at some point the government has got to say, come on, guys. Well, keep in mind, when he was growing up, the tuner thing to do would be to get a better horse. Yeah, yeah, they actually got three horses to pull the thing instead of two. Take your horse. You put bigger dice. Yeah, a larger (laughs) dice hanging off the horse. Take your your horse to the blacksmith and get some new new, uh, horseshoes on that whip. Those damn kids and their rock and roll and their straight pipes. How dare they drive around my neighborhood? And this is California you're talking about, dude. What what do we do? What, What did I do when I had my first car? Uh, I put on some KCs. This Hell was, yeah! This was this was a little yeah. tiny Honda uh, CVCC. Yeah. So that was the thing I did. KCs. So you blinded which people, ob- which were pretty obnoxious too. Yeah. 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 And, so, th- and then I punched a hole in the muffler. This is exactly <laughs> what you're supposed to do as but, a kid. But punching a hole in the muffler is is in a CVCC, which at that time was the cheapest car you can buy in America, much different than straight piping your Lamborghini. But dude. that's but, but at but least you want to listen to one of them. People are still straight piping Hondas too. Yeah. Roman, it's not just one thing, it's a several things. All right. Well, that was entirely unproductive. So, Nathan. Yes. Um, so what you, did you buy? You yeah. got rammed in the butt, yeah. and then you went out and bought. Jogger got Jesus. And then when did you start to search for the replacement Pathfinder? Uh, almost immediately. I knew that the, I, I was sure that it was totaled. And what happened was I, I budgeted myself. Um, I'll be straight with you guys. About $20,000 was my budget. And what I wanted to do was use that to buy a decent used car or even possibly a new car, maybe finance it for a few years. I don't like financing. I like to pay things off in cash. That's my thing. You told me you were going to buy an avalanche. Well, that was a, th- this came later. Yeah, Hold on. Right. So I'm look, then I'm looking at the used truck prices. I was looking at everything from you know Jeeps and all that stuff. And it was ridiculous. People were, and, and dealers were not budging, both new and used. No, no, they were the ridiculous. Like, you pay the price or yeah. you know, walk, basically. Yeah, th- thanks for playing. You're done. Yeah. And I just couldn't believe it. And I was really furious. So my wife talked me into waiting, saying, listen, just take a little bit of that budget, put the rest in the bank, and we will find something used that, you, that will suit you for the next few years until you can buy a replacement. And I thought, ah. You know what I've always wanted? I've you, always wanted an tell, avalanche. Before you tell them what you bought, I yeah. got to say, I was impressed. I was sitting here in my office. I saw you pull up in this vehicle this morning, and I'm like, damn, I was jealous, dude. That is a nice well, let's vehicle Let's let Nathan finish the story. I, well, I'm, just, I'm just saying. I'm just prefacing it. It's a nice, it's a, it's, a, it's a cool vehicle. Yeah, I'm very happy with it. So I wanted the, I always wanted an avalanche. Remember, Roman, like yeah. years ago, we talked about okay, me getting one, yeah. and every single time I wanted to, something fell into in the way. Now... To find one, let's say, like, 50, 60, 70,000 miles on it, people are asking stupid money for it. How much, how much are people asking for Avalanche? Well, that goes between, say, seventeen and $25,000 for... Like a clean, low-mileage. For a clean, low-mileage one that... that but looked, you can still get, like, crappy ones for, like, seven to ten. Yeah, which I didn't want. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I want a decent vehicle. And um, also, remember, this is something that occasionally my wife and daughter will drive... Probably not because I'm sick of them crashing my cars uh, or getting crashed into or rammed in the butt, apparently, is our new thing. Well, um, to be fair, it wasn't your daughter's fault. It wasn't her fault. No, no, it wasn't. You know, and, and my wife was in a car of mine six years ago and crashed five years ago and crashed one of my cars. And it wasn't her fault. I'm tired of people not being fa- at fault. It's my car. You, you pay the price. I pay the price. I'm sick of it. So anyway, I got this. And I wanted something bigger. So anyway, the, it didn't work out. And I started thinking, you know, I've also wanted something else. And I've owned three of them before. This technically is my fourth. Keep in mind, this is a man who's owned a Suzuki Samurai. Oh, indeed I have. Among other vehicles. I've also had a Zuzu uh, Trooper and other things. But you know what I've had a lot of? The Mitsubishi Montero. I've had the first generation, the second generation, two of the second generation, technically. And now I have, technically speaking, it's a third, but it's actually a fourth generation. 2004 Mitsubishi Montero Limited which is in really good condition. It, yeah. it, it's The body's very straight. So it came out of Arizona? Yeah, so this is a cool thing. So this vehicle was actually spent most of its life in Phoenix, Arizona. And the good thing about Arizona vehicles is that there is 
not a lot of rust that's really going to pile up as long as it was taken care of too. You know, and it was. Any vehicle that still has his first aid kit is is okay by me. Actually, that first aid kit's out of my Nissan. Is it really? I yeah. thought that was I, out I, of the, yeah. No, no, I pulled oh, it out of my Nissan. Okay, all right. Yeah, sorry, but 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 it, it, it did have it did have one at one point I think. So um, great vehicle, uh, three rows. This vehicle has history, Tommy. Because if you talk about Jeeps, everybody tell you, why didn't you get a Jeep? Why didn't you get, you know, a Toyota Land Cruiser? I'll tell you why. Because the Mitsubishi Montero, the Pajero, which is what it's known everywhere else, has won Dakar 12 times, has one of the best off-road racing records in the world, yet a Kleinschmidt won in a Montero, a Pajero. And she was the first lady yeah, to what, win the car. There's like a Montero here, but a Pajero in Europe. Yeah, I know. Weird. But that, that's just because for some reason they thought yeah. Americans got to yeah. say Pajero. I don't know. It's always the same with naming and the nomenclature of the names throughout the world. We get that all the time. But this vehicle is basically the same as those. And it was genesis for uh, vehicles that lost their frame just like Jeep did with their Grand Cherokee, and went to a fully independent suspension, just like Jeep did. And the Pathfinder, depending on what generation. Mm -hmm. And went to a a serious off-road system that actually works. It's electronic, but it has a center-locking diff. You you know, if you guys are, are at all Mitsubishi fans, you'll know that at some point, in not that recent past, they had, uh, one of the best off-road engineering teams in the biz. Extraordinary. Yeah, they, they had, you know, and you, you think of the fact that they won Dakar a bunch. Yeah, it's a record. And then you think of, like, WRC. Oh, yeah. And how well they did in that. Uh, Rally course, raids, yeah, everything. So, so this kind of comes from that moment of time when Mitsubishi was world leader in off-road. Not tech. just off-road. I mean, they were building the 3000 GT. They were building, you know, yeah, the yeah, Eclipse. They, I know, it was they had all of these great badass of all-wheel active drive, aero, turbocharged. Active aero back in the day. They were way ahead Four-wheel of the time. Right. Unfortunately, because of that, they also priced themselves out of the competition. That includes the Montero that was going price-wise up against Land Cruisers, Lexus vehicles. This won't shut off. Throwing it under here. I'm sorry, Roman. And they're also going against, you know, Range Rover. So this price thing, when you look at Mitsubishi versus Range Rover back in the day, Mitsubishi failed. So in 2007, they stopped selling the Montero in the United States and some of that had to do according to them with emissions and safety and some other things but I can tell you this one has the 3.8 liter engine which is more powerful than the ones it replaced about 215 horsepower 243 pound-feet of torque I believe five-speed automatic transmission but it handles beautifully it's absolutely gentle on the highway it doesn't get great mileage but it's about the same as my Nissan was and it can tow up to 5,000 pounds. And it has a decent third row seat. And you're about to do a video with it, right? Indeed I am. I'm where, going to do it, one where, on classics. Yeah, where's that going to be? Classics, Tommy? Yeah, for sure. So if you want to check out all the details around Nathan's new Montero and why he bought it over the Pathfinder, it will be over on TFL Classics probably tomorrow if you're listening to but, this. Or go to TFL-studios.com. And you'll see it right there. So uh, before we end the show, Tommy, what did we do this weekend? Didn't we have some fun up in Dillon? Yes. Well, you went and got the terrible hat. You don't like my it's, hat. It's not a very good hat. I don't Robin. like that hat. Oh, no. I don't like the hat. I just, it doesn't fit the personality. It's yeah, you're, I mean, hat. he loves reggae, and which is great. I was thrilled to hear that. I didn't think that he would. But when you think reggae, do you see Roman's face? No, I don't. no, I'm it's sorry. not a great hat. All right, well, I like the hat, uh, and I'm going to keep Rastafari, man, that's awesome. I think it's great. Oh, you shame me into it. Okay. Okay, so I shame me. Tommy did it. I'll just do it right there. All right, you should so wear it backwards. Now I got hair that's like... <laughs> At least you have hair. <laughs> so just be happy. All right. So go ahead, tell me. What, what did we do? Well, we went to one of those new van life conventions. Mm. So uh, basically, it's a gathering of people with... Um, vans. Vans. Yes, that's a good way of putting it. And these companies come together who build these vans, and they show you all the different ways you can make your transit very expensive. Which is really awesome. But the problem is, I heard there were a bunch of pickup trucks there. At yes. the van life thing. Yes, so there <laughs> were, because now the new trend is to go more off the grid, and that typically involves buying like an F-350 or a Tundra and plopping in an adventure slide-in camper. All right, so i gotta, I got to say, so, you know, we had one of these vans in here recently. Uh, me and Tommy went uh, around the White Rim Trail in Moab in the mm. Storyteller. Yeah. And this was a $195,000 4x4 Mercedes conversion van, mm-hmm. right? So they take a 4x4, they lift it. Uh, and then they, of course, put all this stuff inside. So you had an indoor-outdoor shower, air conditioning. A pretty. You remember what, what kilowatt-hour battery? Was um, in there? I think like a 17, and then yeah. it had like a little sink and a little. 17 is pretty big. Yeah, yeah. It had a little kitchenette, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, you know, 
it's like there's like one way to optimize uh, Mercedes Sprinter, and so whether it's a Winnebago or a Storyteller, they all kind of do the same thing on the inside, right? Mm -hmm. So the back part of it, it has a little bit of like like space for like we brought Tommy's little monkey motorcycle or luggage or whatever you want a bike right. back there then there's a bed right then there's a shower then there's a kitchen then there's another like little area where you can do another like fold out bed uh, but they're all kind of the same and what distinguishes them I suspect is probably the build quality uh, or maybe the front bumper but I, I was like it, it, you know once you've seen one you've kind of seen them all and they're crazy expensive you know $195,000 I'm just thinking like five years from now, people are going to be scratching their heads thinking, what were we thinking? This was a Mercedes, right? Yeah, this is uh, a Mercedes. It's like the go-to overlanding vehicle because it's the, well, until recently, it was the only one that was four-wheel drive. But it's the only one that's diesel, four-wheel drive with a low range, right? Because the Ford Transit doesn't have a low that's range. That's all-wheel drive. And it's also, I believe here in the States, they don't have a Transit with a diesel with all-wheel drive. Or I, a low range, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but the, that Mercedes, I mean... They're known to be pretty rugged, and that diesel gets you really, really far out there. So if you want the affordable, quote, affordable choice, the, uh, the go-to is the ProMaster. Mm -hmm. So the big ProMaster, which is a front-wheel drive, basically Dodge van. And the cheapest you can realistically get into one that we saw there was about 90 to 100K. But by the Still way, ridiculous. We have news. Expensive. They just unveiled the new ProMaster. I can't, it's embargoed until next week. Until uh, tomorrow. So, you know, when you're listening to this on a Monday, come back Tuesday, and we'll, or it'll be up on TFL Studios. Uh, updated ProMaster. Right. It's say. got a Viper V10. No, it does not have <laughs> a Viper, Viper V10. Viper. Uh, no, uh, even though I would, that, that's when I would buy. <laughs> of course. Yeah, so, yeah. the so, issue but I'm, is... I'm just saying, you know, whether it's a Winnebago or a Storyteller, it just feels like, you know, there's like one layout, and they're all kind of the I same. I think one's more rugged than the other one. I think there is different build quality. Yeah, yeah, and, I'm sure. That's yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. But I'm saying in terms of the way that they're laid out. Like yeah. Nobody has like like thought of a better mousetrap. Well, I just don't. The issue, quite honestly, is a van looks very big on the outside until you try to fill it with beds and kitchens. And, and then suddenly it becomes a very Very tiny space. I right. mean, they're really, from what I experienced, if you have more than two people that are willing to share a bed, there's not really a way you're going to be anywhere near comfortable in a in one of those uh, traditional vans. Well, this kind of brings me to the fact that we're going to be going to an overlanding event in the very near future. Yeah, Friday we're going. Yeah, and that will show some of the other options that are out there. And that's the big question. And, you know, we've had some experience with this. Do you drag a trailer? Do you throw a thing on the back of a truck? Or do you convert an entire van or something in between? Yeah, so if you guys want to do, if you want to come and say hi to us, uh, we're going to be at the Overland Expo uh, on Friday this week. Mountain uh, West. In Loveland. Yep. It's in Loveland, Colorado. In Loveland, and I think we're going to be over at the Onyx booth, one of our sponsors, around 11 o'clock. That's right. So, oh, yeah? Yeah. So uh, I think it was going to be 10 originally, but now I'm thinking it's more like 11. So if you want to come by and say, hey, we'll bring some stickers. Yes. Yeah, we'll be glad to share them with you. Uh, and we'll be wandering around checking out all the Overland. You know what gear. the best solution is? Tell me. A used Montero with a ground tent. Damn straight. Because you don't want a roof tent because that makes you more tippy, yep. in, in, with my material at least. And a ground tent is very light. And it's 3K for a rooftop tent typically. At yeah. least 15 Hey, how is that? I, I, I want to ask you guys a question yeah. uh, after this. But I want to. we just did a video over at TFL Off-Road where you uh, got together with our friends from Roof Nest mm. uh, and previewed their new tent. What was that like? So, yes, they've got a new model called the Falcon Pro, which is... Their new flagship model, and it's like a full aluminum design, so yeah. very, very beefy with these channels along the side. It's got roof rails on top of the tent if you want to put like bikes and accessories on. Um, and then the way it works is it hinges at the front, pops open kind of at like a 60 degree angle, and then the rear portion of it actually pops out further beyond the back of the, the vehicle. Oh, okay, so it's um, like a double clamshell. And it's very cool, they had some cool innovation in it, like they had these LED strip lights on the inside along the roof that were held in on Velcro, mm -hmm. and those were movable throughout the tent. So if you wanted them like on the outside while you were eating food or whatever, pop right, them on the outside. Right, put them on the outside. Um, but that is going to be a $4,000 rooftop tent. Four grand, so it's it, it's very very expensive. Was it on top of a Volkswagen? Yes, so he had it on top of his all track. The uh, the founder Tim um, Nichols, but it was the highest quality rooftop tent I've ever seen. So that would be like one if you wanted to go 
maybe explore South America and you wanted the ultimate in quality, that would be the way to do to it. To get off the ground. Or you could save some money and get a plank of wood, put it on the rooftop of an old vehicle, <laughs> and then throw your tent on top of that. Granted, not a safe, but or, it is cheaper. Tent, yeah. yeah, go old school. So, so I, I was trying to explain this to Tommy yesterday, but I, well, I'm going to get your opinion, Nathan. I've yeah. been listening to the Overland Journals podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's Scott and Matt. Yeah. Uh, and uh, uh, Matt had kind of an interesting take on the Subaru, right? So he, he thinks that the people are making pretty significant mistakes with like Outbacks uh, with the Subaru by turning them into Overlanders. He thinks that basically if you buy an Outback or the new Outback Wilderness, right, mm-hmm. what you're buying is uh, an Overlander that's been done up already the way it is from the factory. In other words, by... Yeah, by, by yeah, so ideally you'd like get a Forester or an Outback and you would, you know, put the seats down and then you would sleep in the back. Don't put a rooftop tent on it and just use it as is from the Subaru dealership because he says, and I think he's right, especially with ours, right? You got a two liter boxer in there that puts out, you know, barely enough power to get it up the Ike gauntlet. Right. Uh, and then you lift it and you put big tires on it and you put a big rooftop tent. You're defeating the purpose of that Subaru, right? The purpose being it's fuel efficient. Uh, it's off-road worthy, yep. and it's light and kind of efficient. And now you're making it, you're trying to make it into something that, that it probably doesn't excel at. I have a very simple answer for you. Yeah. And it comes from Mark, our friend from Jeep, okay. who told me and, and educated me early on years ago about what a proper Jeep should be doing off-road. It Mark be Allen. A, Mark Allen. He basically said, don't add crap to it, leave it alone, or make it as light as possible. Hmm. because. The minute you make something lighter, you make it better. So yeah, once you put in a rooftop tent or a trailer or a lift or larger tires, you're immediately defeating the purpose of having an economical vehicle go into the rough. I mean, it just completely does. But you you forgot one major thing. Most of these people really don't camp. The whole purpose is just to make the car look cool. To look cooler. And that is what the lift and the tires do to your Crosstrek or Outback. They also so, make it thirstier. Oh, yeah, I agree. Well, for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it, it ruins the car more often than not. And same with trucks. But it looks cool. And looking cool, that's what it's about, especially with straight pipes in L.A. There you go. Yeah. So, so, I mean, but, you know, practically, does that mean that you could live out of, like, a Forester or an Outback? You probably could, right? That back is big enough where you would, you don't need a rooftop tent. You can no, just... No, you, you, with, 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 you know, depending, if you're, you know, six foot five, you're going to have a hard time sleeping inside of a, you know, an Alltrack or this any is, of those vehicles. And then you've got all your crap in there and everybody, yeah, but the whole world sees everything. There's all these pull-out products and everything else. Oh, yeah that make it so you can actually live in your vehicle that don't weigh very much. And there are a bunch of uh, companies out there that do that. It's very common, especially foresters. I see it all the time. Europeans do it. Yep, for sure. Well, let us know what you think of Nathan's new affordable four-wheel drive purpose. It's pretty. Purchase of Chevrolet Bolts, catching fire, but only a few of them. And before we wrap this up, we should also talk about our friends at uh, Overland uh, Campers, right? Pop-up campers. Because they were at the oh, expo. Four-wheel campers. Four-wheel yep. pop-up campers. So they're going to be at Mountain West, this, too? This is the exact opposite of what I'm talking this about. This is like $140,000 worth of Ram truck with a giant sleeping area bolted to the a back 3500 Yeah, Cummins. so they're going to be a four-wheel camper, too, yeah. or at uh, Overland Expo West, too. And we'll see you guys there, hopefully. Wait, hold on. You can't just, you just got, we had to hear, talk about what, what, what we had here. I had no idea what the deal was because that was Andre's deal. We're going to have to talk yeah. about that you know, on you know, TFL Talking Trucks. Do you know what the deal was? Uh, all I know is what the truck is, which is uh, much... You know, this is a perfect conversation for next week TFL Talk. It is indeed. When we talk about what happened. In other words, the boys don't want to talk about it and want to get lunch. That's exactly right. That too. (laughs) All right. (laughs) All right, guys. Well, thank you for joining us. Thank you to all of our um, longtime viewers and longtime listeners. Of course, thanks to Hutami from Patreon. All of our Patreon supporters, be sure to check them out. Uh, Tivo Car on Patreon. We really appreciate the support so we can keep the show ad-free. That's right. We can't do this without you guys. Thank you for your support. We appreciate it. And we will see you next time over at TFL Talking Cars. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. 
Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.